Welcome into another edition of New Track Record, Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Mr. Hatch. This is it, at least for us here in Indiana, the last truly nice day of 2022. Yeah, it ends here. Got into the 70s today, sunny, but tomorrow in the 50s, and then basically a bunch of 40s and 30s for the next 7 to 10 days. So I think this is the last day in the 70s. And considering we got into mid-November, I'd say it's pretty good. No complaints. I uh, We had this debate on our morning show on the radio station today as we record here on Thursday, November 10th here in the States, but the debate, I guess actually it was yesterday, but I, I mulched the leaves in the yard as opposed to, you know, I'm not a, a rake or I hate leaf blowers with a passion, so I uh, I mulched the leaves, got that done. Hopefully I don't have to do anything more with the mower, be done with it for the year because soon enough it'll start snowing and... Well, I mean, we already had snow here, but we did have, it'll snow again. It'll snow. Perhaps as early as this weekend. Yeah, so maybe flurries in the forecast. I did the same thing yesterday. Me and my son mulched the the leaves with the mower. Don't get this concept of people having to rake their leaves. And you and I, are, are at least in that respect, are on the same page. Yes, we are anti-rake. Anti-rake, yes. What's Which, the point? Isn't rake? No, I'm thinking strake is like a, a thing. Yeah. On an Indy car. So I'm going to correct. No straight. Well, speaking of no Indy car, we'll, we'll I guess get we'll talk Indy about IndyCar. car. Yes. So surprisingly, no major driver announcements. We'll get to one thing later on that is not official, but we expect to happen uh, in regards to Takuma Sato, plus some more, not fallout. That's not the right word, but just some more details coming out on Jimmy Johnson as he's now uh, part of the Petty GMS team. And run a handful of cup races. Obviously, Daytona, he wants to run the all-star race at North Wilkesboro, um, which is the same weekend as any 500 qualifying, so that may be some sort of issue there. Would he want to run Chicago, potentially? Yeah, that, that'd be a possibility. Obviously, also doing Le Mans as well uh-huh. for that Garage 56 or whatever the project's called. Um, but I, I think this week, and we teased it last week, and we're actually following up on it so props to us but <laughs> we we're following what we said yes yeah, so last friday which would have been november 4th was the three-year anniversary of the shocking announcement there's no other word to use because the complete shock came out at what 8 a.m i think that morning and i i remember waking up because that was back before i had to get up early and my phone just i woke up and i had texts all over the place from people i think i woke up and had like 30 40 texts good lord uh, some from like a group chat, so that's yeah, not a surprise. Sure, sure. But, and it was Penske had bought IMS IndyCar and also IMS Productions. Now, the deal hadn't been finalized then. That wasn't finalized till I think, after the first of the year in 2019. But it's been just over three years since that announcement. So we wanted to do kind of a reset, partly because I think we've been not not encouraged, but intrigued by this idea of where the series is going uh, just based on some comments on the mailbag, stuff I've seen on social media recently. Um, basically, people seem to be, at least IndyCar fans, not all, not all of them, but some of them seem to be at some sort of a breaking point based with the direction of the series. I think expectations and reality, I think those were two very broad things. And look, 
we're IndyCar fans and you think Roger Penske taking over, everything is going to turn to gold. And that's not been the case, but I think that was also an unfair expectation. So we're going to kind of dive into what has happened, what we've liked, what we have not liked, and what we think is realistic to see in the next couple of years. Because I think the biggest thing is there doesn't seem to be any sort of five-year plan that was announced when he took over or any kind of long-term growth plan for the series, which also could be a sign that tells you how poor a shape financially the series has been in, which we've known this for a very long time since its inception that the IRL, then IndyCar series, has struggled financially, but that could be a reason why as well. It could, and it could be, and like I have my fair share of criticisms of, of Roger Penske and, and what they have not done, but I would imagine that Roger Penske's first order of business when he took this position, when he took over this entity in this track, was to make it financially solvent, was to stop the bleeding. Yes. Get it into the black, whatever that looked like. And COVID threw a wrench in that because of what COVID caused. And I think we can all agree that IndyCar is not in the position it is in right now if the Holman family or anybody else was owning the track and the series going through COVID. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the only exception I would have to that would be if Liberty Media ended up buying yeah, the series. Yeah, potentially. But even then, I think Liberty Media maybe doesn't put the priority on IndyCar considering it also owns Formula One. The priority is going to be Formula One. So I have to give credit for to Roger Penske for that. And two, if he took over and a corporation, a a track, a series that was bleeding money. And we all knew that the Indianapolis motor speedway was subsidizing the IndyCar series basically. And instead of his first job, and I know he said it a couple times was to make the series profitable, not being subsidized by IMS and taking that road and taking that information into account is maybe Roger Penske isn't there yet or he's doing what he needs to do to make sure this thing is in the black going forward and that's job number one and we would think by year three that would be done but with COVID being thrown in there maybe that's not been able to be the case so look Roger Penske knows how to run a business and maybe he doesn't run a business in the way that some people would like in terms of instant gratification and instant results but I do believe that he took this over as a business and he will he will invest in it as a business when he sees fit. But at least for the first three years, it has been all about trying to make the series financially solvent, put it in the black, stop the bleeding, make sure this the series, not just the 500 and the and IMS is turning a profit. And that's probably the priorities. And unfortunately, it looks like that's been more time-consuming than maybe even Roger Penske thought, and I'm sure COVID has been a big part of that. So I think it's pretty easy that we can kind of break down into several categories and, and kind of debate as such. Obviously, teams and drivers, that's one category. Schedule and tracks, that's another. Uh, technology would be another and, and innovation. Um, I think another would be new markets. I get that kind of, in a way falls under schedule and tracks, but I think it, you kind of have to separate that. 
And then I think another, and I'm not saying this for me or for you, Justin, I'm saying this because Pinsky's made this priority, would just be diversity and, and getting, you know, more drivers, uh, whether it's people of color, more women involved in motorsport, not necessarily in seats, but just in general involved in the series. So I think right. that's what, five kind of key categories I think we can focus on. Any that, that to you I'm forgetting as far as categories go. No, I don't think so. I think the big stories that, that we we're going to tackle here, the big issues are all covered in those five. I feel okay, so about. we'll start with teams. I think that's the most obvious one. I think this is one where, not that they were doing poorly in the 2019 season before 2020, but based on the pandemic, some of these were going to grade with a curve, some were not. Right. Um, but I think the team health, I mean, it's never been better for this series going back to before the split. I mean, I guess yeah. you could say cart, you know, during the early years of the split was solid. And obviously the IRL had a lot of entries, but a lot of shoestring operations then. But I feel like the team health is the best that it has been between car, IRL and IndyCar. You can go back, what, 20 years? And that was a priority for Jay Fry when he became president of the series before Roger Penske and his corporation bought the series was getting the getting IndyCar to a place where it had healthy fields again. And he did a great job. And I think... It's only continued in that respect. And, and quite frankly, it's reached a point where we almost worry that the fields are too big at certain places. And that's a great problem to have. But it also means that IndyCar is coming up against it in too many cars. Woody, I, I would say I'm comfortable with high 20s at most tracks. Yes. If you get to 30, that's too many for me. I would agree. In my opinion. 28 to me feels like the hard cap. Obviously, some tracks it's even tougher uh, with that high of a number, like Mid-Ohio and Toronto, for example. And not just by by accommodating that, but it just feels like a, a bulky amount of, of cars. I feel like Cup, when they've gone to, what is their standard now, 36? 35, 36. I yeah. think that's a great, you get to 43 in Muddy's one. I think a, a hard 28, 29 max for IndyCar is that comfortable Max for me, get to thirty and above. Not counting the five hundred, of course, but everywhere else is is fine. I think car count is is tremendously fine. And people will say, well, if we had a third OEM, we'd have more teams. I agree, but do we need more teams that do the full season at this point? Maybe if more teams to kind of really spread out the numbers a little bit. But I don't see that as a big need right now for the series. And and that's kudos to Jay Fry and it's kudos to Roger Penske and everybody involved is to be able to get to this situation where we're asking ourselves at some of these tracks, do we have too many cars, too many entries? What a concept, even yeah. seven, eight years ago. Great question to have, you know, saying too many entries. That That's something we never would have imagined even five years ago. Right. So that's a positive turnaround. I know one of the other question marks that people had for many years. Well, Andretti has four and for a time Penske had three or four. Right now they have three. Ganassi has had four a couple of years. So saying, oh, well, that's half the field. Well, one, that's not true anymore. So right. That's good. Also, as of this year, as far as we know, as Hunko's Hollinger expands to a second full-time entry, we won't have any one-car teams, teams. which yeah. is huge as far as the health of the teams. So I think overall, I think with teams, I mean, my grade's an A because I don't know how you can really get that much better as far as the number of teams and having 
lots of multi-card teams, I mean, that's good. You don't want a lot of one-card teams unless they have, you know, special funding and it's an elite driver where you know they're going to be secure. Overall, the team health to me is very solid. In terms of full-time entries, I think you can't, you have to grade a different grade for Indy-only programs because there's not enough engine leases and there's not a third OEM and you can't spread the wealth in that respect. And I think that's a lower grade. Uh, but for full-time teams, I'm with you. It's an A. I don't think you can ask for much more without getting into the, okay, this is just way too many cars type category. So I think, I mean, you good on teams? I think that does it for yeah. me. I really don't have a whole lot to say. I think everything is very positive on that front with the expansion. We've seen we've seen drivers you know, come from Formula One. We've seen drivers come from supercars, obviously from the series formerly known as Indy Lights. <laughs> which we'll be calling we'll it the series no um but overall i think team health is good as far as the schedule and tracks aspect um i guess on one hand you have a lot of consistency and i think that's that's one often big thing overlooked because yes. we've we've had a lack of consistency for many years but the last couple of years we've added new events not that many have dropped off. I think that's been a major positive. And that's, I, I think, look, this is this change has happened as Penske's been the main guy. As far as events dropping off the schedule from 2022 to 2023, it's none, right? So right. that's a major positive, And they're not screwing around with the dates that much either. So that's really, really good. Um Yes, there are some casualties due to the pandemic. And again, in my opinion, you get a pass for some of that. You hope you can reschedule some of those that were like Richmond, for example. You hope can, you can reschedule that someday. And then you look at tracks. So you get, yes, Portland got back in, in 2018, but it's still relatively new. Gateway still relatively new. Obviously, you get Laguna Seca. What, 2019 was the first year back with that. Uh, Nashville uh, back in... Uh, Coming on board as a street circuit, I mean, that's a huge coup for the series. Um, I get that people are hit or miss as far as the racing goes, but that being an event is is massive for IndyCar. Texas, yes, it's bounced around, but I'd like to believe they've stabilized it as far as it being a part of the schedule. And then Detroit, moving from Belle Isle to downtown Detroit, could be the catalyst for that event to go to the next level. It, it felt like it was just kind of stuck and, and you're limited by the land and the space that you have right. there. So this could be something huge. Any other events that I'm really forgetting here? Well, you mentioned Nashville, I feel is just a couple of years ago was a preeminent event. It still is. And it is IndyCar making an event somewhere in a market that they should be in. I feel like I don't have many problems with the schedule. I know people are, are are saying we need 20 events other than the second road course race at Indy. Yes. I'm really not a fan of. That's the one stain on the current schedule as far as what they're doing domestically and in, in, in Canada. But again, the priority for Roger Penske when he took over and he said date equity and making sure each one of our events is healthy and... Sometimes it takes longer than anticipated to to get there for those things. And that's kind of where we're at with IndyCar. We we keep hearing talks about adding a race here and there, but it used to be you were adding races 
but also losing races. Yes, you may add two or three races. But you lose, lose two, two or three. Or three. And, and it was a year-to-year thing, right? You'd add one, you'd lose one. You'd add one, you'd lose two. Next year, you'd add two, lose one. And there was no real net gain. But if you can get to a point where all 17 of your events or 16, I'm going to get rid of the second road course race, hopefully. If 16 of your races are very successful or reasonably successful, then you can start adding other events. And I know people want to see more ads, but if it comes at the expense of another track falling off at the bottom, then you're not really helping anything. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm taking Roger's side, maybe more than people thought I would, at least so far through this podcast. And maybe that changes pretty soon. I don't know. I don't know where this is going, (laughs) but I'm giving him another benefit of the doubt is you needed to build a schedule with date equity and people knew when you were racing, where you were racing at certain parts of the year. And you had to have events that were pretty relatively successful, varying degrees of success. And that's what you have right now. There's, there's always going to be some iffy questions on tracks, but the last couple of years, it hasn't been to this, to the, to the tune of, all right, who are we losing this year? off season we, we always we always talk about it what's the doom and gloom of the off season the last couple of seasons we haven't had that big doom and gloom type story of, of tracks falling off and we don't anticipate we're not having that in this off season and maybe th- this time next year we're talking about adding an event or two but i think the important thing has been making sure your existing schedule is solid yeah, the continuity side, I think we both agree as far as the schedule goes, is an A. Now, we yes. got to get into other aspects of the schedule and tracks. Look, I, I think having that second IMS road course race is a, essentially a filler. That's a negative. That's I don't know what else there is to say beyond that. Yes, it gets IndyCar on a NASCAR weekend, but you're not even getting in front of a lot of NASCAR fans. They show up as the IndyCar race yeah. is at least half over. They're not really paying attention. And the people who just come for the Sunday Cup race probably aren't even coming Saturday at all. Right. So I don't think you're getting a lot of exposure out of that. Yes, you're getting more TV time. Um, And I think, I don't even know what category the TV deal would fall under. I guess schedule and tracks. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, It wouldn't fall under technology and innovation. So um, I guess to me... The TV deal has been a huge win. Look, Penske took That's something. That's an A plus. A, yeah, A plus. Um, I get there's going to be complaints about Peacock and what have you, but overall, getting all those races on NBC, and then even after TV ratings were only up incrementally, what was it like five, six percent? Um, they still got a lot of races on network TV. I think it dropped by one. One race, yeah. So overall, continuity with the schedule, the TV deal. Having a legit streaming platform that's great for your younger fans. I mean, overall, that I mean, to me, it's an A plus. And I get some people are going to complain about Peacock and what have you, but you have access to every session, Correct. live, recorded, on demand, all that. Like what, five I, bucks a month. Come on, people. Yes, I I think that's that's a win. So that aspect of the schedule, I think there are just so many pieces to this category, just because there's a lot at play. So we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about expansion as far as the schedule goes. And I get some of this falls under new markets, but they have expanded. They got the race. And again, this is pre Penske, mind you, 
but they got Portland and they've been able to keep it on the schedule even after the pandemic. So I think that's been a huge positive. Even without a a title sponsor too, which is pretty crazy to me. So they have a race in the Pacific Northwest. That's been a positive, obviously adding Nashville at a huge, as far as, again, that's more new markets, but that's been huge. I think the other thing with the schedule though, you have to get to is the balance. I get some people want, you know, a third ovals, a third road courses, a third street courses. Others want half road and street courses, half ovals, uh, somewhere in the middle. I, I don't know where I stand. I, I'd be fine with either of those. Um, we need more ovals. It's that but, simple. But you need ovals that are willing to host IndyCar. Yes. And we've talked about this before. This to me, I don't know what grade I would give this aspect because it feels incomplete, right? Iowa, you had this monster first year. So new event there. And I get that's not a big market, but it's Midwest is big for IndyCar. They're able to turn that into a big event thanks to High V and the concerts they had. That was huge. Um, I think just the ability to resurrect that event as well after it was lost after 2020, also really big. And, I, and people say, well, it was a track rental. Yes, but they still invested and made the event work and made it successful. And that takes a lot of effort. So well, I don't know how much. I mean, the IndyCar did invest, but High V invested. Yeah. That's true. what they did. So it's all about finding that partner. So yeah, for me, it's easier said than done. IndyCar can add all the ovals you want, but if you're not going, it doesn't matter. And that's why I put on the fans. Like, if you want more ovals, then go to the ovals that IndyCar has now. That's really all what it is. Yeah, people have to show up. And people showed up for Iowa just like early yep. on. People showed up at Gateway the last couple of years. Now it's fading iffy and i wonder how much the nascar races impacted attendance there i mean i think we'll truly get our final answer this next year Uh, um this year was bad next year if it's worse then i think we'll know our answer but any 500 health is really strong not that we're super concerned about it but when you have people not able to attend at all in 2020 and then a, a limited crowd in 2021 to see the crowd they got this year, obviously a huge positive, especially as this next year will be their first year of essentially full revenue due to not having fans in the same and just carrying over ticket credits right. essentially for a couple of years. So yeah. that's big just to have that event be full and, and be robust and be what it was as far as event wise, the on-track product is different, but I, I think that's a major positive. And then we're at least having conversations that we're seeing out there with Milwaukee and other ovals as potential candidates. It, to me, it just, it feels incomplete. It feels incomplete. I just don't know what else people expect out of the Penske Corp in the current situation. There's not venues lined up to host IndyCar and IndyCar is not financially in a position to take a huge swing and completely whiff. It can't be, we're going to finance a race on the streets of Chicago. And if it doesn't work out, it'll be okay. We cannot, if you're formula one, throw hella money at Vegas. And if it doesn't work out, Oh, well, this is IndyCar. This is a, 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 a series that subsidizes its team to the tune of what? 20 plus million dollars every year. Let's say, put this in perspective. The first $22 million that, IndyCar and IMS bring in every year, they have to pay out to their teams. That's a lot of money. 
That's a whole hell of a lot of money. It's at least that. I mean, it could at be least. more. Yeah. So just think about that. Five or twenty six. Just think about that. It's not TV money like like NASCAR throws around that 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 they share and formula. This is twenty some million dollars that IndyCar and IMS bring in that they have to then pay their teams for participating effectively in a full season. That's not a good business model. Your first twenty twenty five million dollars you make every year goes back to teams. So. It kind of goes back to that. How much money do you really think IndyCar is sitting on? It's really not that much. And people will say, well, it's nickel and diming and, and there's no real budget for Roger Penske. He, but going back to it, he's trying to make this thing financially solvent in the black. And a guy, you could say, well, why, why is it Roger? Sw-? Like I even said it. Why is it, why is it IndyCar need, they need to take more swings at some big event, events? If you are $15 million in the hole for your financial annual budget then what makes you want to throw seven million dollars at an event that may or may not work you're not going to do that true i think that's you know what i mean that's part of the reason why they've been so conservative in general is that they're trying to make this a profitable venture uh vi- business venture we know that ims is profitable largely yes. and ims looks great obviously they've invested in that as far as investing in the series though I'm guessing that's a separate budget, like line item mm-hmm. across Penske Entertainment, and you got to see returns on that to be able to invest more. People will say, "Well, you spend money to make money in the right areas." So, financing a nine-figure or seven-figure event somewhere in a snazzy place, let's say the streets of Seattle, Washington, uh-huh. just pick that out out of a hat. And spend $5 million, $6 million to make it happen. If you're already in the hole, $18 million on the season, then where's that money coming from? And are you going to be able to make it back? And also, if you can't get a title sponsor for that event, a title sponsor, you're in it's, a world of hurt. And let's say you go in there and you it, it, it loses $3 million, and then, then what? Then what? So IndyCar isn't even in a position, I feel, to take a short-term loss on events. That of that caliber because of the amount of money. I mean, this is Roger Penske wants to get to a point where IMS is a completely separate entity from the IndyCar series in terms of operating budget, in terms of profitability and all that. And and when he took over, it wasn't. And who knows if it is now, but you don't get to that point by throwing a ton of money around. And he's done. Admittedly, he's thrown a ton of money around for the speedway. For yes, sure. and I mean, that's your biggest and best investment, so that makes sense. And for me, I think, and we'll get to it, my overriding concern is the lack of a plan. Yes. Maybe there is a plan. We're just not privy to it. But even Jay Fry would say we have a five-year plan, six-year mm-hmm. plan, eight-year plan, whatever. What's the plan with IndyCar? I don't need you to go out and, here, look at this money we're spending here, there, and another. All I need is is a plan. And we don't really have a plan for a new car. If you, if you came out tomorrow and say 2025 is we're going to have it or 2026, we're going to have it. We can grumble about how far of a way it is, but at least there's a plan. At least we know what's going on. And is it by 2026, we want to have this and 2028, we have this. That's great. We just haven't seen it. Yeah. The only plan we have is the delayed hybrid engines, which have been pushed. Push back that several years. Are still 
expected. They're probably coming in 2024, but it's we, not 100 percent yes. yet. And that at least we 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 had a roadmap. We had a benchmark. We had okay, this is where the series is going. This is what it's planning. This is what it has. And maybe that's just a Roger Penske thing. You keep a lot of things close to the chest. I don't really know, but it would be nice to have the confidence of that. And in, in reading between the lines with Marshall Pruitt, this isn't something where internally and with the teams, they know the direction, like they have questions too. Mm-hmm. So if it was, Hey, we're not telling, giving you our plans to the public yet, but we know what's going on and, and it's great. They don't know either. And you just hope this is being worked on, developed and, and just hear it from Roger. He's not, he's not, averse to talking about these things i just would wonder if somebody had the cojones to hit him with those questions when they had the opportunity going hey why doesn't this straight up just you don't have to be an ass about it just why haven't we seen a long-term plan for this series being made public or at least to its teams and drivers in ecar media day usually in early to mid-february well we know it'll be that Test at the thermal club. So that's I think the next big opportunity for people to to ask about that and and get a comment. So I would love overall yeah. schedule though. I, I think I. it's it's what? Uh, as far as continuity, it's an A. As far as d- diversity of the tracks, probably a B. But as far as B minus, I'd give it expansion and and things like that. And C. Yeah, C. But we have this Argentina thing would be great to go to, mm-hmm. but is Roger looking at it as we don't want to go out of North America? Yeah. If you have that, financial backers that are going to pay the teams to go down there. Then you absolutely do it. I mean, from the testing, the pictures we saw with people showing up to just watch some laps go around yes. was a big crowd. Oh yeah. Uh, so that'll take us into new markets. I think overall B B minus for schedule and tracks. As, yeah, that's fair. Stands. That's fair. New markets, this is where it gets really tough because outside of Nashville, which again, major coup for the series, I think, to get a street race in Nashville as opposed to NASCAR having the cup race all the way to Nashville Super Speedway, which is way outside the city, not even close to downtown Nashville. I mean, that was huge for IndyCar. Now, is is this race going to work out long-term? I have my doubts. I'm worried that of the three-year deal, this next year could be it for that race. I mean, they got to have more people show up. The first year was great. Uh, people want to show up at event to, to see and be seen year. Number two, I get it, it was weather impacted and I'm hoping that's the reason why. So we'll see, but that's as far as the only new market. That's the only new market IndyCar has going back to Iowa is not a new market. That's just a return to a track. They raced that for a long time. Moving from Belle Isle to downtown Detroit, yeah, that's a change, but it's the same market. It does open it up to a lot more people to attend. But as you mentioned, Argentina, the test at Buenos Aires, they estimated forty to 50,000 people there. That's insane. At the old I'd F1 be signing track. a deal right now, to be honest. And, and that track is not going to be viable for IndyCar as far as I know. Um, but the track that would be viable for IndyCar would be the Auto Dromo. Termas de Rio Hondo. Which, which is, is also where they turned laps, or where yes. we're going to turn laps, correct? Yes. Juncos and Augustine Canapino tested there the other day. I actually watched the live stream. And not as big of a crowd, um, but this is a legitimate track that I think IndyCar 
could go to like uh, I don't know about right away, but I think this would be the option for 2024, assuming everything checks out upgrade wise. I mean, it's a legitimate track. Looks like it'd be fun. I get it. It's not in Buenos Aires, so it's not like in a huge city. Um, the the town is small. Uh, Termas de Rio Hondo, Argentina. It's not that big, but it's in a resort area. Uh, the town itself population is like thirty two thousand, but Resort area, so it'd be great for people to go and visit. Uh, they have hot springs, things like that, a spa. Um, it's essentially, I don't know the comparison for us. I guess in Indiana, it'd be like the French Lick, if you will. Yeah. So. Yeah, sure. Uh, if you need to look that up, yes, it's a real place in Indiana. It we is. have ridiculous names like that, but it would essentially be that. Um, a lot bigger town than French Lick, but the, the track looks good to go. And they had a good crowd on hand. I think it's a major positive to have that as a possibility for an exhibition race. The Thermal Club, we don't know what's going to happen with that. That's not really a new market, though, because you're in Southern California with Long Beach. I get this would be a different track, be a road course versus a street course. But, I mean, there's nothing around it. Right. And then we don't really have other options. Homestead's been thrown out there. Richmond's been thrown out there. Love to have another Canadian race. Where would it be? No idea. Obviously, a, a race in Mexico would be great, whether it's Mexico City or Monterey or wherever. And then beyond that, we've heard nothing on Australia since a couple of years ago. And then obviously, it wouldn't have mattered even if they figured that out. It wouldn't have run due to the right. pandemic. And, and again, with all this stuff, some of the issues, pandemic-related, I'd say all those ran out this year. So, like, you can't use the pandemic as an Correct. excuse. I get there have been supply chain problems. Everyone's dealing with those. So, I, I don't really buy that. I mean, Formula One, you would think, would be the ultimate dealing with supply chain problems. But yeah. we never hear about supply chain issues or very rarely in no. Formula One. So, yeah, for me, this was the year, okay, to get back on track 2022. And then this offseason off should have been, okay, back to normal. We can hit our stride. Now we can unveil this master plan that we've had in mind over the last couple of years since Roger took over. And no indications that that is coming. Yeah, and as far as new markets, I guess we have the hope of Milwaukee, which would be good. It's not a new market. True. I mean, it'd be new to the schedule, at least for, for a couple of years. They last ran there, what, 2015? I mean, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I just you. But go, you're already at Road America, so right. So it's not even a new market. I, I feel there's two different trends of thought. You're recycling old ideas, both Milwaukee, or you are looking at brand new opportunities. So Gateway was a well. I guess you raced at Gateway, but it'd been a long enough way. That was kind of a new opportunity mm -hmm. in that region. Nashville was a new opportunity, going somewhere where nobody else is. Okay, now Gateways at uh, Cup is at Gateway. And Cup is in Nashville. But now, okay, where do you keep looking? So, Argentina. Nobody's racing there. No. Formula One's not racing there. That's why you had a car that is exponentially heavier and slower than an F1 car going around a road course race. And 40,000 people were showing up to see it because Formula One's nowhere to be found in Argentina. Yeah, they have MotoGP at that Autodromo de Termas Rio Hondo or whatever the name right. of the track is. I'm sure I already butchered it. Apologies. But they have MotoGP there. But that's it. They don't have F1 in Argentina, even though there's a there's been a big Argentinian heritage in F1. Sure. So that's another like opportunity. Obviously, USAC and and 
race there back in the, the 70s. But this would be huge. They obviously have the connection with Hunkos, who's from there. And then who knows, this second Hunkos car, who knows, could it be Canapino? You never yeah. know. Um, but obviously, if there's a race in Argentina, I'm sure he would take part in that event. I have a hard time thinking if they're going through this World One Tour and there's a lot of sponsors in Argentina that they at last signed me up, Argentinian in the seat, Argentinian owner we're in, it's, it's going to be a hard time, hard to take him out of that seat. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think he seems to be more of an option than I think I initially thought. But I think but, it's you know rounded about. It, it's easy to say IndyCar needs to find new markets and go there. It's more difficult to execute it. You need somebody that's willing to host IndyCar. The street events they're massive in terms of government red tape and all of that. And the meccas, so the Miamis, the Vegas, is they're going after Formula One. They want a Formula One race. Other ones you have to convince to invest in you instead of NASCAR. So Chicago, for example. Cup's picking up a fair amount of that tab, at least to start off in Chicago, something an IndyCar can't do. So it's 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 a perfect set of circumstances that needs to happen. Well, I would say IndyCar can do it, as in Roger Penske can do it. He's just choosing not to. No, he's... Yeah, he has very different... All of his, his companies he owns are separate line items. They're completely independent of each other. And everything isn't... I do this to subsidize this, that subsidizes this, that does this. Everything's independent of each other. And he makes them profitable on their own, and then he makes money. Or he gets rid of them. So for Roger Penske, his job right now in the last couple of years has been to make IndyCar a financially solvent entity. And that's been priority number one. And it's taken him longer because of, of, the, of the pandemic. My thing is, and I keep coming back to it, I just, what's the game plan? And I'm yes. sure that's the questions that that IndyCar media that, that follow the series everywhere they go are asking and teams are asking as well. Where are we going with this thing? Yeah, as far as new markets go, to me, it's a D. It's not an F only because you got Nashville. Look, I understand that F1 has exponentially more resources than IndyCar and NASCAR has more 10 resources. times yeah. the resources yes. than IndyCar. But... That's not an, a reason to not advance your sport. NASCAR getting, you know, they've been they've been doing innovative things, and it's not like huge stuff. I'm sure the Coliseum thing was a track rental, like the, sure. the clash at the Coliseum. Um, going back to an old track in, in North Wilkesboro next year uh, for the All Star Race. Obviously, Bristol on dirt last couple of years. They're trying new things, and then Chicago, the big one, and they're paying for a big chunk of that, as you mentioned. F one. Uh, Miami, they worked with an NFL owner and, and built a track around a stadium. Obviously, they already had Coda in the U.S. And then Vegas next year. Look, whoever was going to be first to Vegas was going to have that marquee event and at least first to go back. Look, Cart uh, raced there, F1 raced there in the past. So, But you got to have some results for these things. And I guess to me, again, you're getting a pass for 2020, you're getting a pass for 2021, and I guess transitively to 2022, just based on how you make schedules. But the fact that there's nothing new on the schedule for next year, as far as new markets go, I mean, that's a huge disappointment. Huge disappointment, but it takes two to tango. For me, you were hoping for one, maybe even two new events for 2024. And you'd like to see that momentum start, new hybrid engines, 
all that, add a couple events, start, keep it going, get to 20 events, unique events, get rid of the Harvest GP or whatever the hell we're calling it now, and and get there and have 20 really solid individual events. And I'd love to see them in Argentina. Yes, Argentina, Mexico, another Canadian race, or even Japan. Like These are your options. You have fans in all these countries. Make yeah. it happen. Japan, Honda's still an, a huge investor in the IndyCar series throughout and i guarantee you they'd be up for a return not not even just motegi but like suzuka maybe i don't know just something right i guess it's just disappointing that there are these countries and look you're probably not going to get a race in sweden mind you and you're probably not going to get a race in the netherlands even though these would be cool destinations or the uk or spain but these are opportunities that are doable for IndyCar or that have been done in the past. And when you see other series that are taking big swings at things, IndyCar doesn't have the budget to do many of those things, but if they have a player overseas that wants to facilitate this, they need to make it happen. And how much is it that you said that Roger Penske only cares about North American events? I think he cares about the profitability of the series and the profitability of the events. And I think... And of the teams, and I think part of that is the teams always say we're going to lose our ass if we have to go to this destination or that destination. So I'm not putting that all on Roger. I think the team owners have to kind of meet halfway sometimes and say, yeah, yeah, maybe we have to take a little bit of a loss or we're not taking as big of a profit if we want to go to Argentina or go to Japan or to Mexico. But you know what? It's for the good of the series. We'll do it. And especially when... There are TV markets where it's not that many time zones off, where it's still going to be favorable for your core audience in the yeah. U.S. Japan's always terrible, but yeah. you look at Argentina, Mexico, Canada, those are in the same time zones. Yeah, yeah. So that would not be a negative from that aspect. Okay, on to technology and innovation. Whew, this is where it gets tough. This so is let's tough. First off, positives. Now, Penske does not get credit for this. The aero screen's been in place and it has worked successfully. I get there's been issues with pooling water and, and things like that, um, but we've seen weight, several. Yeah, weight. We've seen it several, saved the lives or, or at least serious injuries to drivers. Yes. So A plus there. Yes. For the, for the aero screen. So the aero screen has worked. It's been a great addition to the series. And again, I'm not giving Pinsky credit for it, but during his regime, it was implemented for the first time. He was not behind the research and development, really, but it's worked. They've kept it. So that's positive. Another positive. Simply, they they always refine little things that you don't really hear much about behind the scenes, but they're always doing things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of any like small things that they've done in past years that are kind of new innovations. Uh, obviously, a big one coming up, renewable fuel. The partnership Correct. with Shell in 2023, that's a pretty big deal as well. Um, beating Formula One and NASCAR on that, I think that's huge. Sure, it... Once again, comes back to the available budget and all that, and it's not where we'd want it to be, the innovation, right? But we also have to understand and, and respect just where the series is in terms of, of financially. But you do want to see some stuff. The hybrid technology, they're making it all sound all amazing and stuff. It's it's old technology yeah. in, the, in, in auto racing. It's been in right? F1 for a long time. Right. So they can toot their horn about hybrids, but it's and IMSA old. too. And yeah, it, it's old technology, or at least it's not new technology. So. But at least they're doing it. And at least, at least doing you're it. getting 
hybrid technology added on. Correct. So uh, assuming it works. You That's would, one where it's wait and see. You would like to IndyCar to be more on the cutting edge, but I think years and years of just being irrelevant and bleeding money, I think, has put the, the series behind the eight ball. I think all of this is kind of... Kind of put into a big bubble that they say, well, Roger Penske is a billionaire, so why don't we have this, that, and the other by year three with him running things? And that's just not how he's going to operate. And you wish he would make more of a financial investment in taking a chance here or there, but we don't, we aren't privy to those books and how bad of a shape they were in and the things he's had to do to rectify them. You hope going forward there's some steps to to add some things in IndyCar that we'd love to see. But I just keep going back to that. That this this thing was not profitable. It may not yet be profitable. And Roger's first order of business is to make it profitable. So other things I forgot about the the green tires, which will be yeah next year. That's Those pretty cool. Um, that's kind of it as far as the technology innovation. You know, kind of the new things that we've seen. As far as the negatives, obviously twelve year old chassis. Yeah, going on what thirteen now. Uh, heavy car the same chassis heavy car due to the aero screen drivers yep. don't like it that's a problem no timeline as far as the new chassis obviously still stuck with two oems felt like we're really really close with toyota roger even mentioning them by name in some articles that's not working out for now at least which means i mean it's a like like a 18 month minimum build process so right. it's not going to happen in time for 2024 obviously but between needing a third OEM, like desperately needing that, and needing a new car, chassis, what have you, I mean, these are some of the glaring things, technology, innovation-wise, that they're really behind the eight ball on. They are, and what did Jenna Fryer say It was from Toyota? It was, it was it not no, but not now type thing. So whether that's 2025, 2026, 2030, who knows at this point? 2050. Maybe. I mean, with Toyota and and Honda, for that matter, and a lot of Japanese car manufacturers really going into alternative fuels and electric power, who knows if that would ever come about if, if IndyCar had combustible engines going forward. But I don't think it's worth lack of for lack of trying for, for IndyCar and trying to get another OEM. We continue to, to appreciate, and I'm sure it's extremely frustrating for them too, but maybe they need to take a couple chances on the innovation side to further make the series sexy enough for OEMs to want to join. So overall, that's the thing. This category, I feel like, is another one that's tough to grade. I'll give it a C. The safety and innovation aspect with the yeah. aero screen is huge. Now, again, Pinsky's not getting credit, but it's worked and it's been during his tenure. So I guess transitively, that's kind of how that plays out. The renewable fuels. Going forward with the hybrid, I get that's old tech, but for any car that's new, right. that's something different. I think you get good marks there, but major downsides with the, the chassis and car and the weight of the car and just really nothing else to sell as far as the product goes. Right. I would give it a C2, I think, and, and it is saved by the aero screen, in yes. my opinion. Agreed. It is very much weighed uh, up by the aero screen. And what that's mattered to the series. I know it's caused issues, but it's been a no-brainer. All right, last category as far as the specific things we want to get to. Diversity. This one's hard to grade because, again, it just feels incomplete. 
obviously you have Miles Rowe working his way up the USF Juniors ladder, and then you also have Ernie Francis Jr. as part of Indy Next, and year mm-hmm. two will be the real year mm-hmm. we see if he's made the improvements and is capable of being in the Indy 500 come 2024. I think you throw in Peretta Autosport. Yes, Peretta as well. Jamie Chadwick in there. If she does compete in the series formerly known as Indy Lights. Correct. I give it a B plus because I feel that the series was very gung-ho about supporting these teams and drivers initially, but that's kind of went away a bit, at least over the past year or so. So, But they're still around. That's They're the still around. That's a good thing. Maybe not getting the financial support that they need, but when Ernie Francis Jr. needed the support, Roger Penske stepped up. Same with Miles Rowe. And same with Miles Rowe. So I don't think my, um, either one of those are going to be dropped off in IndyCar if Roger has anything to do with it. He'll do everything he possibly can. And I think that also goes with Peretta. But you can only do t- so much. Yes. For sure. And I think they've given them opportunities, maybe not fully 100% committed opportunities financially, but there's only so much you can do before you're basically just you're propping these these entities up on your own. And Roger doesn't want to do that. He'll give up all the help he possibly can, but he doesn't want to be the guy that's financing 100% of these efforts. Yeah, that's obviously not sustainable long term. I think to me, revisit this grade here in a couple of weeks if Jamie Chadwick is on board for Indy Lights as we will continue to call it yes it'll um, always be Indy Lights I here. think I would raise it from an incomplete to a B but I will say when you compare it to Formula One when you compare it to even NASCAR I do think IndyCar grades better than those two yes it's unfortunate though that what Simona was but she she was not in the Indy 500 this year, so that was a, a disappointment. Yes, she competed in other races. If that team can be on the grid in 2023, I think that also would help this grade. Again, we just I don't think we have all the information yet at this time as far as who's participating. So I think that for me it's incomplete, but I'd I'd bump the grade up if some of those things come to fruition. So those are kind of the main categories. As far as other little things, I mean, obviously. Linus Lundquist unable to get a ride in IndyCar is a huge black eye based on how they restructured the prize money for Indy Lights. The rebrand of Indy Lights to Indy Next seems like a just complete waste of money, to be honest. Think of all the marketing money they spent for that. They could have just gone to Lundquist. I have not heard a single person publicly say they like it. Beyond who's drivers tweeting about it. That they're you know, forced that they, to. They, yeah, they, they have to. to tweet about but who, whose bright idea was it in the front office of IndyCar? And are they thinking they did some great thing? Because nobody thinks so. And even the people that are telling him and her that it's a great thing publicly are saying something different in private. Makes no sense. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing. Obviously, Freedom 100 gone. That fans really are disappointed in, and that's not going to come back as long as Penske's in charge. Uh, what other little things can you think of here or there? I think the Freedom 100 thing is something that people like to bring up, but I, I it doesn't really matter to it's, me. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think it, that's overblown. Am I, uh, are we seeing on Carb Day 
30, 40,000 people not show up because the Freedom 100 is not happening? No. no. Crowd's still the same. Crowd's also, still the same. Indy Lights Grid has expanded immensely. And I get and that. And how many of those? He's not been in control that entire right? time since, since 2019, November 4, 2019. But he's been in control for part of it. And how much have budgets been helped with the risk of not having a high-speed crash at Indianapolis effectively gobbling up your budget for yes. an entire year? Yeah, I think that's a huge factor. So those regarding the latter and the confusion with the new names, I think is a a takeaway, but positives, the grit is never felt healthier for that series. I would agree. I don't know how much the name change hurts. I don't think it helps like they think, but I don't necessarily know if it hurts anything. It's just kind of there. It's dumb. It's there, but I don't know what the impact is. And then I guess just being able to attract drivers with diverse disciplines from the I mean, from Grosjean to Scott McLaughlin to guys moving up from Indy Lights, uh, Marcus Jimmy Erickson Johnson. coming over, yeah, Jimmy Johnson. They've been able to attract talented drivers beyond just the IndyCar scope here lately. As much as we want to say it's an old chassis, they're heavy cars, all that. There is still a multitude of drivers from around the world in different disciplines that want to race an IndyCar. And I think maybe that's that's prevented the series from being as urgent as some of us would like them to be in getting a new chassis is, well, people want to race in, the, in this car right now, so what's the rush kind of thing? And there is some validity to that. I don't think it's the right answer, but I think you can look at, oh, Grosjean wanted to come over. Jimmy Johnson wanted to come over. Scott McLaughlin wanted to come over. And you guys say this is a piece of crap car, but look at these drivers that want to race here and, and teams that want to enter and, and all this stuff. And yeah, there's some, some truth to that for sure. And then finally, I, I think overall you're getting drivers, like I mentioned, to participate and the racing's competitive, so that's been a selling point, too. Hasn't been as competitive as in previous years, mm-hmm. but you could still say it's, quote-unquote, competitive. Not for the series championship, that's not competitive, that's a conversation for another day, but race to race to race, it's competitive, yes. If you would agree or disagree with us, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list so you never miss an episode or any special announcements. Thanks to so many of you who have subscribed to the email list. We appreciate that. Also, check out the store. Hey, if you're looking for Christmas gifts, you can buy stickers, t-shirts via the store uh, page at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. So be sure to check that out. If uh, you or someone in your life is a huge fan of the show, there you go. Christmas shopping right there. Make it very, very easy for you. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. Instagram handle the same. Facebook, just search for New Track Record. Also, you can email us, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. And you can uh, become a supporter via Patreon, patreon.com slash newtrackrecord. You can uh, sign up for tiers as little as $1 per month. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and others for their support. And as always, you can follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Overcast, CastBox, again, all for free. Okay, 
Mailbag time, not a lot to get to. That's not a surprise. It was a short week, not a whole lot. First off from Hunter's Way 67 in regards to the Indy Next name for Indy Lights. Whatever it costs the series to come up with this should have been given to Linus Lundquist instead. Yes. I agree. Agreed. Wholeheartedly. Great, great tweet. This from Poet Shevchenko. Look at these crowds for an exhibition with just one car. Fans who come out for this deserve an Indy car field of 28 cars. And that in regards to uh, that Augustine Canapino's demo run, this, this was the crowd picture from Buenos Aires. Look, you're always going to get more people there just because it's a big city. But they, they packed the impressive. house. And then 500 ND 1911 says, not so fun fact, in 2023, Formula One will have two races in the U.S. after the IndyCar season is over. That blows my mind. I have no problem with it. You're okay with it? Yeah. IndyCar gets, a, gets out of the way at the right time. And that's spoken for a guy that loves IndyCar, but also loves college football and very much likes the NFL. Get out of the way. Out of the way. All right. So that is the mailbag for this week. As always, send us your tweets, emails, carrier pigeon, what have you. We'll get to them in the following week's episode. All right. News and notes and, and not a ton to get to. We mentioned a, a driver thing to discuss. Takuma Sato. So we, we've seen part-time schedule considered for Sato. Obviously, David Malukas will be in one of the cars, and then who would be in the 51 car? Uh, with Dale Coyne racing with Rick Ware racing, Linus Lundquist in the mix. And you'd hope that, it for Linus According Lundquist. to Racer, sounds like a funding thing. Now, Motorsport.com reporting Sato will race a third car just on ovals and also do some IMSA stuff. And then the second car would be... Marcus Armstrong. Hmm. Well, he is a guy that has a lot of attention for sure. I would just I wish that was Linus Lundquist. Yeah, I, I think. Well, well, okay, this is interesting. So originally, I think it did say Marcus Armstrong, but now I'm not seeing. Yes, yes. Marcus Armstrong would be in the Rick Ware racing seat. So Sato would do the ovals and then he'll compete in IMSA. Acura NSX GT3 is one of the options. And then with Rick Ware Racing, their LMP2 entry as well. Those are some of the possibilities. So be a bummer to not have Sato on the grid full time, but at least you'd hope to see him back at Indy. I definitely would agree. So I think he could potentially win his third. Marcus Armstrong, uh, Formula 2 driver, and he's what, from New Zealand? I mean, there's already a, a pretty strong following New Zealand and Australia, but this would be a, another addition, and he's had a, a pretty good run in Formula 2. Had another driver from down under-ish. Yeah, three wins this year, so that's been impressive. Four podiums, he's 12th in the standings. Season's still ongoing. I would say he's the leader in the clubhouse, but if we talk about it, Roger Penske stepping up to help Financially, a driver, I would like to see Roger Penske step up and help Linus Lundquist. Yeah, there's no question that he needs to be on the grid for next year. It, it, it ruins your message of the ladder working if that doesn't happen. Yes. And I, I guess to me, going back to some of the other things, didn't get to this, Adam Stern reported that NASCAR is 
holding a cup series race outside the U.S., a win-not-if situation, active talks with a bunch of different venues, uh, wouldn't rule out that happening in 2024. Look, these are the kind of things that IndyCar is battling against right now. Unfortunately, they had the benefit uh, for a lot of years of, of NASCAR not thinking outside the box, and they're starting to think outside the box, and that's going to affect IndyCar not just directly, but indirectly when people are say, start saying, why is an IndyCar doing this? Yeah, that, I think that's the, the concern. Uh, we mentioned Jimmy Johnson's joined Petty GMS, part-time NASCAR return, starting with the Daytona 500. As far as IndyCar goes, still interested in IndyCar and sports car races. Um, also, North Wilkesboro and the All-Star Race, that conflicts with Indy 500 qualifying. But... Uh, Jennifer saying Jimmy waiting on that and waiting to see what opportunities might be in the Indy 500 says Ganassi has to finalize the fourth car before Indy lineup. So that would imply he would be in a fifth car, right? right? Yes. So we don't really have Makes sense. full details there on who would be in that fourth car. Look, we all think it's Nicholas Latifi and I guess you have he, to wait for the says, Formula One season to end before you can announce no that. deal is signed. Well, he seems to be the obvious choice, though. Because he can't sign the deal, maybe not until Formula One's and over. Perhaps so, that is what that's leading After Abu toward. Dhabi, maybe we'll have an answer pretty soon. Kyle Busch, this from Jennifer Fryer. Nothing at all in the Indy 500. It kind of went dark. It all dried up. And just think, Menards was interested. and I think it eventually McLaren. happens, but I just don't see it as being an option in 2023. I yeah. think you have way too many teams that are already set with their lineup for full full-time very limited part-time options for Indy only and just not a lot of engine leases. I just don't think 2023 is the year. Meanwhile, the other Kyle, Kyle Larson uh, said uh, nothing has moved forward with it. If something came to me that was in a competitive car, I would jump right on it. I would argue Dreyer and Reinbold. Hello, competitive car, but <laughs> that's just me. Uh, he, he also says uh, it's just tough, but I want to do it. So again, both those guys, hopefully it works out. For them, also just a random side note, congrats to Penske, first team to win a NASCAR Cup and IndyCar Championship in the same season. Big year for Penske. Some other notes to get to. Um, we know the primary sponsor for four races for Felix Rosenquist in the number six car, On Semi, I think is how you say it. They do intelligent power and sensing technologies. Right out of Phoenix, Arizona. Sure. No idea what that means. Right so as long as the check clears. NTT Data sponsoring 10 of those races, but it's another one of the uh, sponsors for him. St. Pete tickets, three-day tickets on sale now. GPSTPete.com. That's the website, so three-day tickets already on sale. And then also the annual end-of-the-season sale for IndyCar merchandise. Runs is underway now. Runs through Monday, November 14th. Uh, you can shop the sale in person or online. So if you want to get some driver uh, gear at a cheap discount, this is the way to do it. Um, includes IMS, IndyCar, Indy 500, Snake Pit, BC39, Brickyard, and it says WWF merchandise. Maybe that'd mean Indy next. <laughs> <laughs> Hats, t-shirts, men's, women's, kids, a lot of different prices. Shop.ims.com. That's the website for you there. So that 
that wraps up uh, kind of the short news and notes. Look, there wasn't a whole lot to get to otherwise, but I think the Pinsky thing we needed to get to overall, it just feels like we're waiting for something to break through on this. And you hope something's coming. You assume something's coming, but we feel like it should have been coming earlier. Yes, I feel like we should have seen the results of it for the 2023 schedule or 2023 season with some of these new things. I don't want to say wait and see forever, though, right? And that's the fear. That is we're the saying fear. wait and see again next year at this time. Then we we're going to really have, have some, some beef with Raj. But overall, look, if Argentina comes on board, and, and even if it's just an exhibition, in the off season, I think that's a huge win. I'd for say IndyCar. if you're going there, you may as well make it a point. Yes, race, but that's me. I would agree. All right, no tweets of the week, so time now for our random split era driver of the week. And you have it today because my phone died. Yes, and I brought it up for you. And we're going back to the fertile ground that is the 2005 cart season. The 2005 cart. You have Jorge. Is it Getters? Jorge Getters, yes. That is the name from Mexico City, Mexico. Uh, he participated in this season, one race. One and done. Just a wild guess. It was the race at Mexico City at Ooh. Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. Just, Shocking. Just a wild guess. Yeah, I'm going to say so. So he is our random split air driver of the week. He did spend some time in Indy Lights. Oh, sorry. That was actually at Monterey. So the oh, there you go. 2005 Takati Telmex Monterey Grand Prix. Yeah, uh, A track you. where IndyCar should be racing at because Monterey is Pato Awards hometown. Yes, definitely. And then looking, he did Indy Lights, but it was like seven years before that. It was like late 90s he raced in Indy Lights. Yes, in 1998, career. 12 races, one pole. It was 16th in points. T- taking a look at who is the overall winner. That year, the champion, um, Cristiano D'Amata. Oh, very nice. Yeah, 2002 kart champion and, and an F1 driver. So pretty good grid that year, I'm, I'm sure. Looking at some of the other drivers on there in 1998. Shige Hattori, Guy Smith. You know, uh-huh. a guy, last name Smith has never participated. In I know, isn't that wild? Oriel Servia, Chris Simmons, who's longtime yeah. Ganassi employee, engineer. Yep. Uh, Didier Andre. Why does that name sound familiar? Uh, IndyCar driver. Okay. Naoki Hattori. Uh, Casey Mears. Ayrton Dare. Man. Felipe Giafoni. I mean, the, not bad. Tony Renna. The late Tony nice. Renna. Uh, Luis Garcia Jr., a former split air driver of the week. Yeah, he's, on the, he's with the club. So, a lot of names from that year, but yes, you mentioned. Champ car 2005 this season. Yes, you have your Bordes, your Junqueras, your Servias, Tracy's, Dominguez. There's a lot of goodness in the Will Power, Tags, Hunter Ray, Justin Wilson, Dinger. But then you get to a lot of fun names like Michael McDowell, for example, Daytona 500 winner. Yeah, I forgot he did. Open did a couple of races. So, um, Jorge, I think he's doing speaking NASCAR, does. Got into NASCAR after open wheel. Yes. Never in cup or anything. It was more like regional series, I think. Uh, so he did the cup race at Watkins Glen. Finished okay. 35th in 2005 for Arnold Motorsports. Okay. But he did a, a handful of Bush races. Highest finish looks like of seventh coming in 2007 for Bruco Motorsports. 
at go figure uh the corona two uh, mexico 200 that was at autodromo hermanos rodriguez go figure uh, nice. so did a lot of road course racing did the Glen. uh did the race at montreal that year uh he did do uh, well he's a dnq at texas motor speedway in 2006 race at homestead but overall largely just doing road course type races in the bush series also did nascar west a couple of races that's what i was thinking about NASCAR and west. did a1 gp if you remember that for team mexico ran two nice. races 2007 2008 season so one and done in the 2005 champ car or cart that year at Monterey. Is that's our random splitter driver of the week, Mr. Jorge Getters. Jorge Getters. Yes. Another solid entry in our series. Yes. So that's random splitter driver of the week. And that wraps up this week's episode. We'll be back next week. More news on IndyCar. Thanks for joining us. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.